Thank you, Josh. And uh, meant to say congratulations to our singer, Michelle, who got married a couple weeks ago. First Sunday back with us since she's been married. Bless you. Steve, would you help me bring that podium right up here for me? I'd appreciate that. We have two scripture readings uh, from uh, for before us this morning as we continue in Proverbs. We're going to go there first. I want to read Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it reads, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And turn in the New Testament to Paul's letter to the Colossians, the book of Colossians, chapter 2, reading verses 2 and 3. Proverbs speaks of wisdom. It's a book about wisdom. Uh, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Listen to the reference to wisdom in this reading, particularly as it relates to Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, verses 2 and 3. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. May God bless to our understanding the reading of this is holy word. Amen. Folks, I know that we are living in health-conscious times, but one of the great joys of my uneventful kind of pathetic life is, uh, is going to In-N-Out Burgers. Uh, and it's become a lot better since they started building some In-N-Out Burgers around here in the Salt Lake area, down in Draper, and I think there's a couple others. Uh, When we used to go visit our family in California and we would drive down through Nevada, we would always time our lunch stops in St. George or Las Vegas or Barstow so that we could be at an In-N-Out Burger for lunch. Uh, As a matter of fact, I I asked when they were building here, I I gave them, I offered some of the land in our parking lot that they could just come and build one right here next to MOPC. So can I talk about this In-N-Out Burger thing I have for a little bit? Um... I've never been in an In-N-Out Burgers when it's not packed. They're coming out the door. You can't get a seat. I've had many an In-N-Out Burger standing up because you can't find a place to sit down. Right, Steve? Yeah. Let me tell you what I like about In-N-Out Burgers. Uh, first of all, I like that it's simple, the menu. You go into In-N-Out Burgers and you got your one or your two or your three. You got your burgers, your fries, and your drinks. And that's it. You know, they don't have one of these menus with 16 different combination items. And, you know, a poor guy's standing there trying to find out which one he wants. He has a mental breakdown. And, and you're waiting five minutes for him to, he doesn't know whether he wants a nine or a 12 or a three. You got your one, your two, and your three. I like that. It's just simple. And they know who they are. They're not trying to be Taco Bell. You, you're not going to get a burrito at, at In-N-Out Burgers. You're not going to get a, a, 
They're not KFC. You don't, don't order chicken strips. They don't even try to be healthy. There's no tofu or salad. They just give it to you. You got your one and your two and your three, okay? That's what I like about it. I, I, Chuck, give me an amen. From Oklahoma, amen. Chuck's resonating with this, I can tell. Second thing I like uh, is uh, I, I like the fact, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. They make their own French fries right there. You ever see them? Sometimes when I get to the front of the line, I like to look back in the kitchen. They have that cool machine. They put the potato right there, whoosh. There comes the fries. They're made right there, and then they cook them in all that fat and oil. It's really something to see. It's great. I love it. That's the second thing I like about In-N-Out Burgers. This is the third thing I like about In-N-Out Burgers. The Bible verses. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what I'm talking about? On all the In-N-Out wrappers and cups, all their products, somewhere, it's very small, they have a small Bible verse on that. Now, it's not the whole verse. It's just the book and the chapter and the verse. For example, the uh, cheeseburger and burger wrappers have on them um, Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The, the soda cups, you get a cup. Uh, on the bottom of the cup, John 3.16. I know you know that one. Apparently, the, I've never ordered a double-double, but the double-double on the wrapper has, get this, Nahum chapter 1, verse 7. Now, you're going to have to look that up. I had to look it up. I don't know what Nahum 1-7 is. That's not very familiar to me. And then on all the milkshake uh, cups, on the bottom of the milkshake, and you, I mean, you can't go to In-N-Out without getting a milkshake. I just, just don't even go. You've got to get a milkshake. They have great milkshakes. On the bottom of the milkshake cups is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, why does In-N-Out do this? Apparently, back in 1980, the, parent, uh, the president of the company at that time uh, was a Christian, and his family's, uh, family was Christian, and uh, they, they began printing those on the cups, and In-N-Out has, and, and all the wrappers, and In-N-Out has not stopped since that time. But uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Uh, it, it, it's one of the most popular Bible verses I think that people know. As a matter of fact, it, it's one of those verses you can needlepoint and hang in your bathroom. You know those voices? Or you know those verses? You know, you've you got to just put them in needlepoint. I'm just joking. I just, but uh, it's a, Wycliffe, the Wycliffe Bible Translation Society in England, three years ago, did a, did a survey all over the nation. What is people's favorite Bible quote? Um... And, you know, you think of all the great quotes that, that we live by and that are stuck in our head. Uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. You think of John 3.16, right? You think of, you know, in Philippians where it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Great, great quote. Um, there's, uh, we know that in all things God works together for good. Romans chapter 8. Uh, Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you. Great, great verses. But all the quotes... Of all the Bible quotes, people voted Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 as their favorite Bible quote. It's a directive with a promise. It directs us to trust in the Lord above ourselves. To trust Him not just a little bit. To trust Him not just most of the way. Don't just trust Him 90%. 
trust the Lord with all our hearts. In the New Testament, the word belief is the same word as the Old Testament word for trust. And literally the word means to give one's heart to. Give your heart to. That's the directive. The promise is that as we do this and as we submit to him, he will direct our path. He will direct our way. But uh, to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, it's easier said than done, isn't it? If I'm going to trust the Lord... First, I need to know him. I need to know who it is I'm trusting, and is this a Lord who I can trust? What's he like? Uh, What kind of a God is this? Will he come through for me, or will he let me down? Is he going to harm me, or is he going to hurt me? And in order to determine this, I need to know him. Proverbs 9 says, Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You've got understanding when you know the Holy One. The great Reformed theologian John Calvin, uh, in his great theological work, The Institutes, begins by saying we need to know God. And he says the way we know God is by knowing ourselves. The way to get knowledge of God is to know ourselves. He begins, the very first line of Calvin's Institutes begins like this. He says, nearly all the wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. First, we must know ourselves. We must know that we're not all that. We're probably not as good as we think we are half the time, that we uh, are quite full of vanity and pride and things that aren't very pretty, that we're broken, that we need help, that uh, we need wisdom. And once we understand this about ourselves, we can start to get wise about God. The knowledge of ourselves stimulates us to seek God. It even leads us by the hand to find Him. What happens when you get hungry? What do you start looking for? Food. When we start understanding ourselves and our need and our hurt and our pain and our brokenness and our incompleteness, we begin to search and seek for God. When I realize my sinfulness, I begin to see his righteousness. When I realize my poverty, I begin to see his richness. When I begin to see how much I don't know and don't understand, I begin to see how much I need to trust him more and more. Wisdom is knowing the Lord. Do you know the Lord? Do you know him? You can't trust who you don't know. Maybe you believe there's someone there called God who exists, but you've never come to know him on a personal, relational level. Maybe you think it's enough just to believe in God, and for many people, that's as far as they've gone. They say, I believe there's, there's, there's a spiritual being up there called God, and they'll say, That And they may even say, I believe in him, and I know he's there whenever I need him. But that's just the thing. Only when they need him. They never consider, am I there for God? They don't know him. Maybe you know about God. Uh, You know about him. You've heard some sermons. You've read some Bible stories. You've uh, listened to others talk about him. But your experience is just hearsay. Or maybe maybe you... uh, 
try to get to worship once in a while just to remember, you know, that he's around and, uh, and, and that he's there. Or maybe um, you think, well, I do good things. I do good things. Well, just because we do good things doesn't mean we know God. We know the Lord. Pastor Craig Greshel uh, has just written a book in the past year called The Christian Atheist. The Christian Atheist. And basically what it's about and what he holds in that book is that people can believe in God, yet live in a way that there's just no evidence of God in their lives. He says that if God hasn't changed us and... uh, if our professed belief in him makes no difference in our lives, doesn't make any difference in how we talk and how we think, in the values we hold, uh, in our relationships, then perhaps you are a Christian atheist. You are living, practically speaking, as if there isn't a God because he makes no difference in your life. Proverbs says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And in Jeremiah, the Lord says, Let the person who boasts boast in this, that they understand and know me. And Psalm 9 says, Those who know the name of the Lord will trust in him. And 1 John 2, John writes about how do we know we know the Lord. It says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Those who say, I know him but do not do what he commands, are liars, and the truth is not in them. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. In order to trust the Lord, we have to know him, turn our life over to him, or if it's just been a long time, maybe come back to him. And get reconnected again. You know, one of the reasons I read the Bible isn't to come up with these uh, grand and eloquent sermons for you people. I know they're just incredible and you can barely catch your breath when you hear them. But, you know, the reason I read the Bible is, and it's not even for information. You know, I just don't need any more information in my life. But uh, I want to hear the story of God and what he is like. Uh, The written word is not so much a source of information as something that demonstrates, or excuse me, something that demands a response. Uh, I don't need the Bible to satisfy uh, my curiosity, but I need it to discover and respond to a person, to feed the relationship that I have with God. And when I read and listen, I trust and accept the Father's word. His ultimate word is is the living word, Jesus Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of understanding and wisdom. That's quite a thing to say about somebody. But the knowledge of the Lord is more than just information. uh, information. It's experiential. It's something that I got to know in my life every day. And before we can begin any significant relationship in our life, we have to know, can I trust that person? Can I trust them? Uh, And the only way you're ever going to find out if you can trust them is to spend time with them, to hang out with them, to be with them, and walk and live with them. If you're wondering, can I really trust God? I guess I would challenge you by saying this. Put all your trust in him and allow him to prove himself to you. Stake your life on him and live as if everything you are 
depends on him. Put your life entirely in his hands and let him guide you in every area of your life. If he shows himself to be unreliable, then you can bail out. But until that time, trust him. Trust him with your career ambitions. Trust him with your money. Trust him with your relationships. Trust him with your uh, sexuality. Trust him with your family. Trust the Lord not just with a little bit, not just with half or most of your heart, but all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Now that doesn't mean that we never make a decision or act unless we get some kind of clear sign from the Lord. God has given us a mind. He's given us common sense. He's given us rationality. And and, uh, we need to use those. But you know what? My mind and my rationality and my common sense aren't perfect. We can't always trust ourselves. And so we need to go to God and we need to seek him and look for him and trust him in many of the decisions that we make in our lives. We can't always be trusted. And so if I'm making a business decision, I am trusting the Lord when I ask, is this decision in line with Christ? Will the effects be glorifying to God? Is there there the integrity and the soundness of God in what I'm about to do? And would I broker this deal if Jesus was sitting right here next to me? I am trusting the Lord in my decisions if I am about to enter a relationship and I ask, is this relationship going to bring the goodness of God in me? Is this relationship going to help me to follow him more and more and live for him? Is this relationship, does it have even God at the center of it? If I am making any decision, I acknowledge the Lord when I seek him and I ask, does this line up with Jesus? Is this his heart? And does it show the obedience and the love and the kingdom values that come from trusting in him? Sometimes we might find we have to pull it in reverse and back out. And sometimes we might find we've got to go forward and move on. The Lord is making the path straight. Now, um, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 doesn't mean everything's going to be easy and clear. Yes, it says he'll make all your paths straight, but that doesn't always mean we're going to see where the path is or where we're going. The Lord says in Isaiah, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let those who walk in the dark who have no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. Sometimes we walk in the dark. Life is just, it's a mist, it's a fog. Uh, We aren't sure where we're going. We're not sure why things are happening. But those who fear the Lord don't stop walking. We don't turn around and hightail it in another direction. We trust in the name of the Lord, in his character, in his nature, which is faithfulness and love and loyalty and goodness for us. He will not lead us in the wrong. We may not be able to see everywhere that we're going or every uh, every step of the way, but we can put our hands in his and know that he will always lead us in the best way. I used to live in an area where there was tremendously thick fog. The fog would come in, and if you were driving, you couldn't see five feet in front of you. Now, when I was stupid enough to drive under those conditions, I didn't go faster. I didn't even go the normal speed. Sometimes I would go really, really slow. Sometimes I'd stop and pull over to the side of the road. When you are going with the Lord and trusting in him, and you can't see, it's a little dark. 
Go slow. Go slow. You may even need to stop and be still and listen to God. Really listen to him because he's probably drawing you closer to himself. He's probably getting you to a place where you're not relying on all the things that are so easy to rely on and just bringing you to a place he says, I just want you to rely on me in this. Just let me walk you through it. Now that's a lot easier to do when we love God. Thomas Merton was having a time of prayer and he wrote in his journal that one day he had an experience, as he said, it was an entirely beautiful, transfigured moment of love for God and the need and the need for complete confidence in him in everything without reserve, even when almost nothing is understood. That's trust. The ethicist, John Kavanaugh, was trying to find the direction for his life, and he went one year to work with Mother Teresa in Calcutta in the slums amidst uh, the wretched and the refuse and the poorest of the poor. And uh, the first morning he was there, he met Mother Teresa, and uh, she came and introduced herself to him, and she said, "Uh, what can I do for you? And John Kavanaugh said, I want you to pray for me. He explained how many thousands of miles he'd come to to this place to to seek what he needed to do for the rest of his life. And he said, would you please pray for me? And Mother Teresa, that little short, small Albanian nun said, I will not. That kind of took John Kavanaugh back. And uh, he explained why. Why wouldn't you pray that for me? Uh, he, He said he wanted her to pray for clarity in his life clarity in his life. She said, I won't, because clarity is the last thing that you are clinging to. And John Kavanaugh said, but, you know, you, you have clarity in everything you're doing, and she just started to laugh at him. And she said, I've never had clarity. What I've had is trust. And I will pray that you learn to trust the Lord in your time here with us. Are you clinging to clarity? Are you clinging to absolute clarity. You want to know all the answers. And it's keeping you from being sold out to the Lord in a life of trust and abandonment to him. Don't think that trusting the Lord with all your heart is going to take away all the uncertainty and answer all the questions. Trust is risky business. But if I know the one I trust meaning I know what he's like and that he will not lead me astray, then I can go on the path knowing it will be a straight path. Paul said, and Paul lived a life of faith that I think was riskier than anybody would ever ever care to get near. Paul wrote, I know the one in whom I've trusted. Here's a statement I want to share with you uh, that I often give people who are finding it hard to trust the Lord. They aren't having a problem with the Lord part. It's the trust part that's hard, and and that happens to a lot of us. And it was shared with me a few years back, and um, it has gotten me through some very difficult times, some seasons when I've really needed to trust and I couldn't see everything. It's written by Andrew Murray. It goes like this. First, he brought me here. It is by God's will I am in this straight place. In that fact, I will rest. Next, he will keep me here in his love and give me grace to behave as his child. 
Then he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me the lessons he intends me to learn and working in me the grace he means to bestow. Last, in his good time, he can bring me out again. How? And when he knows. Let me say, I am here by God's appointment, in his keeping, under his training, for his time. That is a statement of trust. Some of you are really being challenged to trust God right now in your life. I don't have to know details. I just know that there's a lot of people in this room who right now are really being challenged to trust God in some area of your life. We want to pray this morning to end our time for people who need to trust God. Uh, Would you just stand where you are? Just everybody just stand. Some of you need to trust God for a job or for a new job or for the job you're in. Some of you need to trust God for your family, for a marriage, for a wayward son or daughter. Some of you need to trust God in a relationship that you're in. Maybe it's a romantic relationship. Maybe it's a working relationship. Some of you need to trust God for money. It's a financial thing. Maybe you don't have enough or maybe you have too much. Some of you need to trust God for your health right now. Some of you need to trust God because you're caring for an elderly parent and you're trusting God or you're caring for somebody. I don't want to make a show and we're not going to embarrass anybody, but if you're trusting God for something this morning, we want to pray for you and I'm going to ask you, I'm going to be the first one down here just to come. We're just going to have about a one-minute prayer meeting together. We're going to pray for all those who need trust. So just come. If you need to trust God, something in your life, Come right down here and join me this morning. We're just going to pray as we close our time. Don't mess with me. I'm your pastor, and I know. I know that there are people. There are more than five. There are more than ten that need to trust God this morning. Some people need to trust God uh, for school, for something that's happening in your school. So come. Let's pray together. All those who need to trust God this morning, who are facing something. It doesn't have to be big, but just something small. Just start to come right now, and we're going to pray. All those. Come on down. You can fan off to the side. There's plenty of room. And if you know somebody here, you see somebody here who you just want to come stand beside and pray with them and for them and you want to be a support to them, do that. Just come on down. Come to the sides. Come around. Make room for people. God, sometimes the hardest thing in trust is just to take that first step. Sometimes it's just calling out to you. We're like that man who Jesus healed, who Jesus healed his son, and he said, I have trust, but help the places it's hard for me to trust. And God, you know the situation of each person here. You know the circumstances, and you know their heart. You know what they need. And God, I pray that this week and in the days to come, they would know that you are guiding them, that you are leading them, that you are giving them your grace and your direction. Help them to know you more and more and understand you. 
May they place their hands in yours, Lord. And may you place your hand on them so that they would know that you are with them. And God, help us not to just see the circumstances that we're in, but help us to fix our eyes on you. A great, loving, mighty God who can do great things for us. Help us to gaze on you in faith, knowing that we can trust you with all our heart and that you will help us, Lord. See the hearts and the lives that are here, Lord, and honor the prayer we've made today. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray it in his name. Amen. Amen. You may go.